Hi, this is Tom Darling, your host for our new series of Classic Conversations. We call it The Sailor's Log. We'll be launching The Sailor's Log as a bonus to what you loyal subscribers know as THE podcast for classic sailing. That, of course, is the podcast Conversations with Classic Boats. It's been live since May 2020. It was my pandemic POD. Thank you for continuing to make Conversations with Classic Boats the most appreciated podcast in our field, reaching over one and a half million households. And thank you, subscribers, for your passion and your episode ideas. Keep it coming. We have a mission with the Sailor's Log to bring you straight boat talk from the most interesting people. We invite a friend to talk. We toss out a few questions and we see where it goes. When I started Classic Conversations, the Sailor's Log, I had to decide what I was. What kind of interviewer should I be? Was I Walter Cronkite in the old days? Was I Gary Jobson in the old America's Cup days of ESPN? Was I Charlie Rose on PBS? Was I a DJ interviewing a rock star or a sports reporter trying to drag a story out of a reluctant athlete? And you know, I didn't have an answer. But I think that Charlie Rose comes closest. Charlie would have liked podcast, a digital roundtable, talking to personalities, known and yet to be known. And I am privileged to have my first guest be one of the visible and colorful people in sailing. That would be Dave Perry. Everyone has his book on rules. I admitted that mine was outdated. My bad. Spoiler alert, he kindly sent me a copy of his latest edition, the 10th, amazing, 30 years. And he has multiple distinguished bios. But here's my take. It's called the TCD bio of Dave Perry. He's a Long Island Sound sailing ace. He was captain of the Yale team that won the national championship in sailing. Now for the really good stuff. He put match racing on the map. Five times national champion. Not to mention those two congressional cups in 83 and 84. And he is the writer of the book most of us consult on the rules of sailing. While advising on rules, and he'll do that for the U.S. sailing team in 2024 in France. And enough. No, not enough. In 2020, he received the U.S. Sailing Nathaniel Harrisoff Award for outstanding contribution to the sport. Captain Nat would have approved. They're in my own home port of Bristol, Rhode Island. So we'll bring Dave in and start the clock. Now, like a good interviewer, I tossed out a, a series of topics for Dave to consider in advance. And they were college sailing, rules, and match racing. He was very gracious to accommodate me on the topics. So I give you Dave Perry. Well, Tom, it's great to be here. I assume by my age, I'm classic. And uh, I appreciate um, joining you on this. Well, you know, it goes back to me, for me, to 1977, in the days when uh, Yale was then an intercollegiate dynasty. It hasn't really changed. We had uh, Chrissy Klingler, who is uh, Charlie Ulmer's 
granddaughter on the podcast last year, and she was part of a women's national championship. But you and I, we were Ivy rivals back in the days when Ivy was the thing in sailing, right? <laughs> now, I remember Yale. You probably don't remember Princeton. We were way behind. Uh, Tom, can I just jump in to say you sure. and I sailed regatta in New Orleans. No, no, you told me not to bring that up. You told me not to bring that up. <laughs> well, there we go. We certainly knew who each other were back in college, for right. sure. But we, we did compete at roughly the same time. I'm a little older. We were at different conferences, but we did have some memorable events. New Orleans was definitely one of them. But, you know, a few questions. Do you still keep up with your uh, teammates? I do. Well, you know, back then, uh, Peter Eisler. And Steve Benjamin um, were the other skippers who only won that national championship. And I see them all the time. Uh, Benji's got involved in the Atlanta class, and my family's involved in that class. I've seen him recently. Pedro, I see as much as possible. And, of mm -hmm. course, his daughter went to Yale and was a great sailor and yep. just got married to another Yaley, and uh, so I'm in touch with them. Susan Daly sailed with Pedro back then, and I see her all the time. We'll be racing together in London in May. And then Stan Honey, who wasn't on the dinghy team back then, he's on the big boat team. And of course, really none of us knew what we we're going to do in our lives. And of course, that Stan is probably the most famous of all of us. <laughs> and most accomplished. You the Bermuda race, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Setting, just recently won the Bermuda race, among other things. Yeah. And he and I just spent the weekend at the uh, national, the sailing leadership forum down in St. Pete. So well, I, do I want to do a show. I want to do a show on Cal 40. So now I, now I know who to put, put the finger on. That's good. Well, one of your questions at the end is going to be, who should you get? I think Stan would be a wonderful guest. There you go. There you go. There you go. Now, Zach Leonard, when he, you know, he's he been the sort of uh, Andy Reid of this uh, this time for college setting. How did that happen? How did, how, did, how did he get there? How did that come about? Well, you'll remember back in the day in college sailing, most of the teams were just club sports. You know, there wasn't an adult in sight. And right. Maybe the academies had some coaches and and then that's changing. And now more and more teams have gone varsity. Yale went varsity uh, somewhere in the early 2000s. And of course, that comes with a coach. Mm -hmm. And Zach had graduated in the late 80s and, and coached at Brown for a little bit. But um, he became the head coach at Yale when it went varsity and just crushing it. Yeah. And the kids love him. He's, he's got a very gentle touch on the helm. Uh, he has a fellow, Bill Healy, that works with him. They've been together forever. And, uh, you know, he we just... We had him out to Nantucket to sail in our uh, Alarian fleet and yeah. with uh, a couple of other kids. And, yeah, he was very, very good. A yeah. good teacher, really good teacher. Good teacher and a good head on his shoulders. And, man, they... And I always say to Zach, you know, it's not like, you know, every kid out there can go to an Ivy League school. You know, you can't pick the best sailors from any of the pool. You got to... Sure. And uh, somehow the, the best ones get there, and, and he does a lot with them, and yeah. couldn't be prouder. What's um? What do you? I mean, you watch you watch college sailing a lot. What's what? What are the big changes in the last ten years or so? Do you think? Well, Tom, you know, there's this regatta called the Snow and Satisfaction that we uh, we began back in the '70s, sure. and they keep bringing us old guys back. And so I was there a couple of years ago, and they were all talking about the regattas on the weekend, and then Saturday night they they go to their hotels and do homework. And I went what mm -hmm. you you do what and you do what they go yeah we go to our hotels and we do homework so those are two those are two things that you and i never did on saturday night at college regardless. are you telling me that i couldn't go to marmaduke's and uh in oh. atlas i had to go and do my homework no way i think i think for all kinds of reasons it's gotten much more serious mm -hmm. uh, they practice four or five days a week we used to practice uh, two or three days a week 
Um, they they uh, they travel with coaches. There, there's much more of a. So I think it's more serious. Mm -hmm. I think the um, the there's more varsity teams, so the levels probably gotten higher. There's the kinetics are different. They 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 rock and roll the boats a lot better than we ever did. Okay. Okay. Um, but other than that, Tom, I think the short course racing is still the same. You know, consistent starts and not making mistakes. I think the game is sort of the same. Yeah. Well, we're very excited, Princeton, uh, because with our new sailing center in Bristol, uh, Pennsylvania, which is a collaboration with the Yacht Club there, and uh, first time Princeton's had a really big, decent sailing center. That's great. Since it was founded, probably in 19, the team was founded in 1928. Sure. Got a brand new fleet of Zim 420s built in beautiful Rhode Island and uh, rearing to go, trying to get to the net, trying to get to the national. So it's very good. exciting. And Mesa is a very strong district, so that's that's good. It does that that, I, that that's what I would say is a difference. In my day, Mesa was the powerhouse. It's, it's it's shifted. Other than the academies, it's you know you didn't have the old dominions, those type of schools. Yeah. Well, now, what about boats? Nation. What about different kinds of boats? I mean, in our day, we sail keel boats, we sail shields yeah. a little bit. That kind yeah. of went. I think it's it's still ninety eight percent dinghies. They they tend to do mostly um, fleet racing in the fall and team racing in the spring. Mm -hmm. Though the spring the the spring the national championships for dinghies and team are in the spring. Right. It's predominantly four twenties and FJs with you know some larks and other boats thrown in there, fireflies. But it's predominantly. But they still have there's some big boat. Uh, the sloop championships become a match racing championship, which I'm thrilled about. And so if you're a bigger kid in college or you just enjoy the bigger boats or, mm -hmm. you know, there's an avenue for you. And well, you know, I've been involved with the IOD, the International Regatta there at Larchmont. Charlie Homer has been running for years, Yeah, um, which was the only thing that we could consistently beat Yale at in the 70s because we would just go find the biggest sled we could find. There you go. Finish first and then just go home. Um, but yeah, the. Our team is really excited about the inter about the bigger boats sailing yeah. as a team. Well, listen, Rich Demulin, who's another wonderful person you could talk with, and Storm yeah. Trisel, and then they host a collegiate big boat event. I just saw there was one out in the Midwest, and so our guys just did one in Charleston. Yeah. You know, I always tell kids, you know, you two things: one, you're going to grow up to be just like your parents, and two, you're going to grow up and sail keel boats. Yeah, okay. they say no to both of them, but the truth is that's the truth. Okay, there you go. Truth from Dave. And college sailing, you know, if you can do some big boat sailing and learn some skills there, you're going to get into the better adult keelboat world, and you're going to have more success and more fun right. and it's a good right. path. Okay, now to the, to the subject: How many editions are there of this? <laughs> okay, well, I, can't, I, can't, I mean, I can't even. Mine's so wet and, and gone, I can't even tell how. Well, Tom, you'll have to send me your uh, mailing address. I think we can. Oh, free book, free book. This is it. <laughs> So the, the the rule book that you're referring to is called Understanding the Racing Rules of Sailing. Correct. And um, when I was, uh, you know, a young person, my dad was a sailor and, and a racer, and he was a banker, and he loved the rules. And mom would always say she knew when dinner was done, when dad started pushing all the plates out of the way, and out come the salt shakers and the knives, and we started talking rules. And I was probably 10 years old, and I loved it. And it was also a great way to spend time with my dad. And then when I went away to boarding school, he gave me his appeals book. So we're talking a 1964 edition or so. And every night, Tom, I read an appeal, you know, before I went to bed. And, you know, who reads an appeals book in high school? Who reads an appeals book ever? Mm. I was just fascinated by the whole process. And now I'm the chair of the U.S. Sailing Appeals Committee. So mm. there you go. 
That's cool. And then in college sailing, as you remember, rules become incredibly important. Uh, and the sharper you are on knowing the rules, the sharper your tactics were, and the better you did. I, I never use rules to throw people out, hardly ever protest. But sure, coming into a mark, if you know what you can and can't do and what the other person can and can't do, you're going you're gonna to come out ahead. So I really got involved in the rules there. And Harry Anderson was a great mentor. And Greg Bemis, we used to sit up at the MIT dock and Greg would be there judging. And he'd sit down with us college kids and talk rules. And I just became fascinated by it. Cool. In my other life, I'm a teacher. you know, So I've always enjoyed the teaching process. So there I was trying for the Olympics in 1984. And I so I left. I had no plans for the summer of 84. And May of 84 rolled around. And right at the end of the trials, we were second in the trials. And so I suddenly had a whole summer open. There you go. And that's so, when I wrote the first copy of Understanding the Racing Rules of Sailing. It was the summer of 84, which was in time for the 1985 rule change. You know, the rules are locked in time for four-year periods mm-hmm. through the Olympic Games. So the Olympics are, it was in 84 that year. So 85, the new rules come out, and they were locked in through 88. And then in 89, the new rule book came out. So I wrote the rule book in 84 for the 85, 88 rules. And then I've been updating it every four years. Elon Musk needs to have your formula for Tesla. Oh, my God. Yes. And uh, this is the 10th edition, the 2124. 10th edition, I was going to say. Wow. 10th edition. Now, you like the live shows, too. I mean, I've seen you more in the live shows. Yes. Uh, Yeah, that's that's where I'm, I'm the happiest. You know, when you're with a bunch of people and, you know, what I like to do is fool them. Because when people come to a, uh, you know, a rules talk, they sort of steal themselves for a, a boring rules talk, but I got to do it. It's like going to the dentist. Uh, no offense to any dentist out there, and you do a wonderful job and take give them the nitrous, but coming to a rules talk, I fool them because I, I make it fun. I get them talking. I put on fun situations, and they think they know the answer, and they don't know the answer, and so I enjoy that give and take, and then what happens, Tom, is people go, well, what about that? Well, what about this? Or this happened to you sometime. And you get that organic back and forth that you just can't get with a book or even a webinar. You know, I've been doing these webinars for two years now, and you just don't get that spontaneous, what about this? Or somebody says something funny and everybody laughs. And, you know, I love well, I the see, I see Dave Delabas. Uh, he's done some videos, right? Sure. You done videos? Is that something you've done? <clears throat> yeah, he and I um, did a webinar series called The Daves. Okay. okay. And you can go to his website, Speed and Smarts. Sure. He'd be another wonderful person to have, but Speed and Smarts, if you go there, um, you can go to the webinars and then the replays of all those webinars are right there. And cool. they're uh, six hour, they're, they're four one and a half hour sessions and we go through the rules. We go back and forth and we use video and animations and Good. It's great fun. So. Okay. But the live stuff is, that's where I'm, I'm the happiest. And I'm, I'm happy to say people are, you know, I started about a year ago, February 1st, about mm-hmm. a year ago. Yep. is when people started to you know let people come into their lives and i've been traveling this winter i've been every weekend i've been in chicago i've been in houston and about to go to san diego this is great all right we're going to take a quick break we'll be back with dave in a minute okay hi welcome back this is tom darling to our classic conversation with the one and only dave perry now the next uh, topic is mat tracing which seems to be booming uh, along with things like the ocean race, which I can't get myself unglued from the YouTube watching. Uh, <laughs> but I know you've had a lot of involvement in Oak Cliff, and I know you have a lot of history in match racing. How, how did that sort of evolution come together? 
Well, listen, um, it goes all the way back to college and my friend, Peter Eisler, Pedro, and we both had pretty successful careers in college, as you pointed out, and he would end up college sale of the year and we won the national, we were all American, you know, having a good time. And we, uh, I graduated in 77, he graduated in 78. Um, but along the way, he got invited to the uh, Prince of Wales Bowl, which was the United States Match Racing Championship for the Prince of Wales Bowl. And so this is going to be 1978. It's going to be in Hingham, Mass. in two tens. And he called me up, say, Dave, you want to go sail the Prince of Wales? I go, yeah, that's that match racing thing. I don't really know much about it. He goes, Dave, it's just a race with two boats. How hard could it be? Well, it turned out we went up there. Tom, we won one race. We finished DFL. Okay. We were dead F last. Wow. And I've been hooked forever. Right. Now, what's, awesome. the, what's the evolution to, to, uh, to Oak Cliff, which is the place that I sail, sure. but the opposite kind of boat. I sailed Dolphin, the classic 1914. Beautiful. Uh, Newport 29 and that fleet there. But, Beautiful. you know, we watch these people in these match 40s, which yeah. they look, you know, quite lethal. Um, yeah. Going on there. Well, the, the 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 intermediate story, just to to stretch out just a little bit, is um, you know I got hooked on this match racing because it was so hard, and I ended up going to the uh, 1980 POW and finished as a skipper, finished second, and I won in '81, and then we were invited to the Congressional Cup, which back then was the big, you know, it was the America's Cup, and then it was the Congressional Cup, and it was fantastic, but there weren't many East Coast sailors there. So I just put together a team of friends, you know, Dave Dallenbaugh, Brad Dallenbaugh, Peter Eisler, Moose with McClintock, like yeah. Chuck Wilk and Peter Daly. We're all friends. And again, none of us really knew. I mean, yeah. looking back on it, Pedro's won the America's Cup a bunch of times. You know, Dave Dalbaugh's won the America's Cup. Brad's won the Prince of Wales. You know, Moose has won five J24 Worlds with three different skippers. I mean, he's been in the yeah. America's Cup. But we were just a team of good sailors, but we didn't know how to match race. Mm -hmm. So our whole strategy was stay away from the other boat. Just don't go near the other boat and just try to get off the line, go to the right Long Beach, have a little better spinnaker set and win the race. And so we did that. And we went eight and one and won the Congressional Cup our first year. Wow. wow. Went back the next year. These are those old Catalina 38s? They were the Catalina 38s. Went back the next year. Still didn't know how to match race because there wasn't any match racing back then. Same team. We did the same thing. Won it again. Went back the next year. Now we had a match race. Haven't, haven't won it since. So, but uh, it was really great. It was great cross training for Olympic training and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, you and see the pros doing that now. I mean, it's really a pro circuit that congressional cut. Well, the, the then yeah. So then okay. So then fast forward to the mid nineties and two thousands. Now some money gets involved. They start to ramp the sport up. They create a world tour. They get some cash prizes, and now now people can make some. At least they can cover their expenses and make a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. I stepped away from the sport for twenty one years after eighty four and the Olympic trials. We were second. Mm -hmm. I stepped away for 21 years. I did a little match racing, but that was about it. And then when it was time to come back into the sport in 2006, I said, I'm going to go back to match racing. No, hold on. I remember when you won the 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 Ideal 18 North American. Okay. Maybe yeah, Betsy and I sailed the Ideal 18s a little bit. There you go. With my wife. That was great fun. Right. Um, but it really was match racing when I got back on the national stage. And it was, it was great because it's, first of all, you don't have to own a boat. The boats are waiting for you. You can, the racing, the races are short, so it's very intense. It's very X's and O's, which I love. I love the, the game. I'm, the, I'm not the boat speed person. I'm the tactical person. So I love that aspect of the sport. I got, to, I did 10 Prince of Wales in a row from 2006 to 2015. 
and sailed my friend Chris Musler in every one of them. And he's a great classics boat sailor as, as well. So there's a lot of teamwork and it was just great. Mm-hmm. And then along the way, this world tour was going with this Swedish match 40s. I heard that there was some guy in Long Island buying match 40s. I'm like, what? So I Hunt Lawrence. And, Hunt Lawrence. There comes here comes Hunt Lawrence. Um, you know, along with, and, along with 23 classic wooden boats and Betsy, and they came on the scene and they just had this vision to bring back you know championship racing to, to Oyster Bay, create the next Russell Coots out of Oyster Bay. Sure. And what better than to start buying these uh, match racing boats, which a lot of the Americas they'd stopped using them on the world tour. Mm-hmm. A lot of America's Cup team in 2007 bought them to kind of practice while they're building their version fives, and then they were selling them. So I think he bought six of them okay. and then started Oak Cliff. It was Oak Cliff Yacht Club, I think, at one point, then became Oak Cliff Sailing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went on the board, and um, I was on the board for 10 years, ended up chairman. But the best thing they ever did is they brought Don Riley in, and Dawn came in right at the beginning also. Yep. And she's been at the helm ever since and has done a, a spectacular job building that program up. Yep. Uh, match racing is a centerpiece, but, of course, you, as you mentioned, you've got the classics. But you also have many other big boats, and then they now you have fleets of four seventies and got the training. 40s. They've had training. They, I mean, they've had a big investment in sailing in Oyster Bay for sure. It, it's huge. It's it's just a it's a place to go if you want to become a better sailor, or if you want to go into the industry and learn how to be a, a you know a boat captain or whatnot. You can go there and learn all kinds of things. They do offshore races and the prep and the engine prep and the provisioning. Yeah, if you but want to get is what I've been involved in there. If you want to get a story about what it used to be like at Oyster Bay, go back to my uh episode six, seven, and eight about the six meters in because mm. that's where Oyster Bay was. Oyster Bay was the new port of six meters. Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous story. And From, now when you go there on a on a on a on a weekend afternoon in the summertime, everywhere you look, there's there's boats racing of all sizes, including the, the match 40s. They're up to 12 of them now. And um, you know, that's where that's where I race. That's my most fun place to go racing. That's what I see. That's where I run into you. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so, much, it's so much fun. That's great, Dave. So we decided. I decided in this sh- show to have a little bit of a lightning round for every other guest to sort of conclude All that. Right. And uh, I think I sent the standard question, so we're che- we're cheating for the first one. But um, this comes from kind of those sports shows that you watch and hear on the podcast. So the standard questions for classic conversations are: What is your favorite book? Uh, it's a great one. So my my first answer is one design boats. Uh, I'm a stock car racer, not a Formula One racer. Right. I want the Olympic path, not the America's Cup path. Yep. I, I sail. I like slow boats that go the same speed as opposed to high speed boats where it's more boat speed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then the answer is it depends how old I am. You know, I I love the college racing we did in those little boats. My first blazer was number nine thirty one. <laughs> Brand in 695 bucks, brand new out of the box. Thank you, yep. Bruce Kirby and Ian Bruce. Number it. And then we did the two campaigns in the Soling as a crew and skipper. It was a great boat to race. And then in later life, the Sonar and the Ideal 18, again, both Bruce Kirby designs. I told great. Bruce once that, Bruce, great. thank you. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, my new my new podcast that came out yesterday is a whole story of Bruce Kirby and Alpha Fox and how they, how they evolved. So yeah, listen to that. Now, so what is your favorite, favorite event to sail in? Well, my favorite event to sail in is any high-quality match racing event. 
Okay. Uh, they have grade one or like world events, grade two or international, not quite world level, and grade three or national. And any grade one, two, or three match racing that are my favorite. Of course, the Congressional Cup is sort of the granddaddy of them all. That was, uh, I sailed 10 or 12 of those over time. Yeah. But um, I can go over to Oak Cliff and race against some of the best sailors and you know, highest ranked sailors. Guns. All those young guns, the Taylor Canfields, all of them, right? Uh, Chris Poole is now number one from the U.S. And we have uh, three U.S. sailors in the top 10 and, and seven of us are in the top 20. I'm number 12 in the world now. Right. <laughs> you know, now, so. the other feature that I'm putting into this show is every one of my guests gets to plug an organization that's dear to him. So as yeah. I said, we'll put up the visuals on the on the website that nice. will help people to lead to what you're going to say. But yeah. I'm going to let you take it away when it comes to UX selling. Well, sure. So um, I've always been a believer that you, you know if you want to grow something, you start at the top, and you have to have a something to shoot for. And of course, for the one design path, it's the Olympics. That's that's the ultimate. The gold medal in the Olympics is the ultimate pinnacle in in, in one design racing. And I've been fortunate enough to be tried for the Olympics twice in my life and came very close as a sailor. I've now been to four different Olympic Games as a rules advisor. As you mentioned, I'll be in Paris in 2024. And I, I love being at the camps with the younger sailors and the coaches. They're all trying their hardest to be the, the best they can be. And so the U.S. sailing team is a great organization and they've rededicated themselves to excellence. You know, it's been tough for the U.S. because the, the, the world is flattened and there's a lot of great sailors out there. And a lot of younger sailors in the uh, around the world are going for the Olympics while our younger sailors are going to college. Mm -hmm. and so many sports, you know, swimming and whatnot are similar for the Olympics. You know, you can swim in college. It's very similar to sure. you know, throw a shot put in college. It's like the Olympics. But sure. college sailing is very different. So Paul Kayard and his staff have launched a thing, a, a program called Project Pinnacle. Because keep in mind, the Olympic Games are in Los Angeles in 2028. Got it. All have our eyes on getting sailors on the podium in 2028 is, is a goal, Project Pinnacle. And people can go to the U.S. Sailing website, go to find the U.S. Uh, Sailing Foundation, and you can give money through there. Uh, Ding Schoonmaker's family uh, made a large gift when he passed. And there's a matching component. So yep. you can double your dollars. Well, we'll put a tab and we'll put a reference to that. You know, and, and our shows all go on, on Scuttlebutt. I don't know if you know, but they rebroadcast our shows. So right. that'll get to, you know, more than a million sailing households, which is great. Yeah. You know, but, I just want to say one quick thing. People say, why are you spend this money on a few sailors? Because if the top is strong, then the middle is strong. They want to be the top. If the middle is strong, then the bottom is strong. They want to be in the middle. So when your top is strong, the pyramid gets long and deep and that's that's the way to build it so that's why it's important to invest in the top and then the trickle down will come i love your analogy of the stock car or the formula one cars because everybody's obviously watching the the formula one on on tv <laughs> so, but anyway dave I, I thanks for being such a good sport because you are the guinea pig for this particular uh, mode for my me. pleasure and um We'll be back with another exciting guest for Classic Conversations. And you've already done my work for me when I asked my last question, which is, who should be on next? Yeah. Right. Well, I mentioned Pedro. I mentioned Don Riley. I mentioned Nicole Ball. Put the, put the arm on Stan Hulling because I've been dying to talk to him. And, put the, and go get Stan. He, and he's delightful. He's the most humble man, smartest man, most humble man I know. Yeah. I always say Stan and I went to the same college, but we were never in the same classes. Right. 
Thanks, Dave, for being a good sport and being great in our sport. We'll be back soon with another exciting guest for Classics Conversations, The Sailor's Log. Meanwhile, check out the traditional podcast library over on Conversations with Classic Boats. Tell us who are the boats and who are the people that you'd like featured in our traditional podcast. And thank you, listeners, for participating in the launch of the new show. Tell us what you think at my email, tcd, the numeral 4, S-A-I-L-2, that's tcd for sale 2, at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear on the show? We've always valued the conversation's audience's ideas. And remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give our premiere a review. Five stars, please. So we can continue to bring you the inner details of our sport. Thanks to Dave Perry for being such a good sport and giving me a free book. And let's make sure we support Dave's cause of the episode. Remember what he asked for. Support the U.S. sailing team on its way to 2024. Go online, contribute on their website. The episode of The Sailor's Log was written by Tom Darling and produced by Griffin Bengroff. Jason Roz gave us production support. So take care of yourself and someone else if you can. The sailing season is almost upon us. Fair sailing, Tom Darling.